What defines crazy? One way Urban Dictionary defines crazy is someone who will go against the rules. A person who acts in a manner that normal society does not approve of. We would add that crazy can be defined as enigmatic, meaning mysterious or speaking in riddles, often misunderstood. God tells us in Isaiah 55, 8-9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Yet even though he is enigmatic, he tells us in seven places in scripture that if we seek him, we will find him when we search with all of our heart. Journey with us as we seek him and explore the evidence that confirms God be crazy. Welcome back to the God Be Crazy podcast. Bonnie and I found ourselves once again in the middle of a candid conversation that was hijacked by the Holy Spirit. We quickly pressed record as episode five was brought to life. Bonnie is sharing her experience of betrayal trauma during her marriage and subsequent divorce. The emotions are high and the tears are flowing as we explore one of the hardest seasons she has had to endure to date. The conversation takes a wild turn as the Holy Spirit demands action. Join us as we discuss God's sovereignty and the unfathomable depths of love He so freely bestows upon us. In an effort to keep the authenticity of the moment, we chose not to edit a few places because the Holy Spirit was leading the conversation. We apologize ahead of time for the ridiculous amount of throat clearing going on. We had no idea the conversation would go the way it did and re-recording it wasn't an option. I remember in the months that led up to the end of my marriage, wrestling with God constantly. It was daily. Like, this is not what I thought I had. Who is this man? The mask of who I thought he was has been obliterated. And I can see the monster that lives inside, that lives inside of that. He's deceitful, he's cunning, he is sweet to my face, and behind my back there are daggers out. It's it's kind of like your version of me in the church with the morphing face. Oh, friend. For you, it wasn't a demonic oh, person friend. that was in a body that morphed, yeah. but you were able to finally see the truth of who he was in that moment. And it's kind of like having one of those moments, but for you and your story. It was a real human. Yeah. You know, I I saw his face in a new light for the first time. Well, you saw his truth. His truth. That he yeah. had been hiding. Yeah. He tried to hide who he was. And when I looked at him, I, I remember distinctly in the living room, he was sitting in one of my blue velvet chairs. And he was sitting there pretending, you know, like pretending to be and do and say when I wanted him to say. And I just looked at him and I was standing at the other end of the room and I just looked at him and I go, who are you? Really? Who are you? Because the man I'm getting to know is not the man I thought I married. You are not him. You are something entirely different and I don't like him. And he flared his nostrils and bowed his chest and he knew Oh, I, I mean, I could see the, pardon me, but the oh shit look on his face like, oops, I let my guard down. And... Oh no, she really does see me. Yeah. And he had tried his best to make sure that no one ever sees that dude. 
That dude only comes out at night when I'm asleep. That dude only comes out in secret when no one's watching. That dude, he made a vow to himself. You will never see this dude. When I told him at age 19, if you want to date me, I am not putting up with these things. And I told him that when we weren't even dating. He looked at me and convinced me with his best persuasive speech that that was not who he is. He was actually doing some of those things you didn't want him to already. Oh, yeah. I mean, he already had active addictions. And specifically with tobacco, I told him because of another trauma in my life, I said, I'm not dealing with this. I... I know that if we're going to date, like the guy I'm going to marry is not going to have an addiction to tobacco, is not going to have addictions because I'm not dealing with that. I don't want that for my life. I've already dealt with that in another arena and I'm not dealing with it. And he came to me days later and he smelled like cigarettes. And I was like, he moved in to kiss me. And I was like, whoa, buddy. And I put my hands up and I said to him dead in the face, I said, listen, we're just going to be friends. That's what we're going to be because I mean it. I'm not interested in dating you. I'm not interested in sticking my tongue in an ashtray. And if that's who you are, go be who you are. Just don't date me. This is what I want for my life. And it's not that. It's fine if you smoke, go be a smoker, but you can't be a smoker and date me. You can't be a smoker and want to marry me because we're not compatible. And I made that abundantly clear. And he looked at me And we talked about smokeless tobacco too. And he adamantly told me that he doesn't do that. He, he said, I, oh, I I only smoke occasionally. It's, it's not a big deal. I only dip occasionally. Oh, and I just go hunting or fishing. It's not a big deal. I mean, I could put that down right now. I don't care about that. I'd rather date you. And so I was like still reluctant, you know, but it didn't commit to him dating him completely. It was still playing the field and keeping an open mind, but I, I put that guard up and he just eventually kept wearing it down. Like he told me one time when he could see that someone else was kind of like competition, so to speak. And he looked at me and said, well, I don't know what he has planned, but I'm going to win. And uh, if I could have talked to 19 year old Bonnie and said, girl, girl, that's all you are to him. You're the trophy. He needs to win. It ain't about you. He just needs to win. And she thought that was a romantic overture. She was 19 and naive, you know. And I have since had, in in my own therapy, had to make peace with her and forgive her. Yeah. Because she, she thought she was being pursued in a romantic way. She did not know. She did not know that he really wasn't pursuing her because he cared about her. He was pursuing her because his ego needed to win. He knew from the very beginning, at his core on some level, he knew he was pursuing someone that if she really knew who he really was, Mm -hmm. she would reject him. And he knew that from the get-go, and he made a conscious choice, free will, to pursue someone who had already told him, I do not want x in my life and he knew very much that x was a big part of his life and that was just tobacco that was one issue you know there are other issues that we aren't going to talk about right now but correct um, you know like correct he made it a point but he made it a point at the foundation 
Yes, and he made it a point to make you believe that he was no longer doing those things. Correct. He went out of his way to ensure that I saw one side of him and it was the cleanest version, the most attractive version based on my values and what I wanted. He sought out, what does Bonnie want in a guy? I'm going to be that. I'm going to learn to look that way, talk that way, sound that way, learn what she likes, learn what she doesn't like. I'm going to speak her language. And he was very attractive to me because he learned my language. And um, I did not realize, I thought we shared the same values, you know, in the, the months that led up to, and the months and I guess, yeah, about the last six months leading up to my divorce or the separation um, was an, un- an unveiling of his true self. And um, one of the things our therapist said was to him, and I, I just like, wow, it's so validating. She said, you know, she looked at him again and just said, with the kindest, you know, kindest way of confronting someone, she said, your adult never showed up to this marriage. And you do realize that Bonnie will need to divorce you in order for you to have a chance to even have an adult self because right now you don't even know who you are and if she stays with you you never will and I was like wow on the heels of so many people promoting stay stay no matter what stay in this marriage I thought this person who has really just met me in the therapy room gets it and met him and met him and sometimes that that, outside perspective is super important instead of someone who is in your close circle you know it she wasn't someone that he had had time to cultivate his manipulative relationship style with sure you know it was just an outside person and she got a better glimpse because she didn't have that same he hadn't had that opportunity to spin things to his you know he hadn't he didn't know what, what her ideas were and how to impress her. Right. He hadn't you know? figured her out yet. I had already made the decision at that point to leave. This therapy was not, I just want to clarify that, it was not therapy to repair the marriage. I had already decided and gotten the word from the Lord, mm-hmm. it is time to go. And I was firm in that decision. And I knew even if I didn't feel like fo- carrying it out, following it through, I was going to do it because as we've talked about before in the wrestle, there was a wrestle with God that nobody saw, Right. but to everyone else, like I was just done with him. But, and even to him, he I'm sure had that narrative, like she's just done with me and cast me out. But no, I, I I gave thousands and thousands of chances and forgave so many times when honestly and chances it would not have over been years not just in the six months or year no, no. leading up to things this was or, 19 years of deception <clears throat> yeah 19 years of constant because some deception. some things would would come out you may find out about something or you guys would you would recognize something that you it's didn't sign up for and there was an inconsistency there and you would call it out and he would do the things he was supposed to do. He would go to therapy if that was what you mm-hmm. suggested or... Or look like he was going to therapy. Right? In fact, 
He had, I later found out um, in my own investigative <laughs> hat that I needed to wear in order to reality test because there's so much gaslighting in this kind of situation with a covert passive aggressive narcissist. Um, in, in testing that, I found and in doing my own you know, research about what my reality was, I realized he was saying he was in therapy and he would leave our home, be gone for hours and return. And when I would inquire about, well, how'd it go? You know, you know, what's your feeling about how are y'all making progress or whatever? And he would, he would have a pretend conversation with me about how, oh yeah, I think, I mean, he, I really like him and you know, I think we're getting somewhere. I think, I mean, he would even be one of my friends if I could, if I met him outside of the therapy room. I really like him. And, you know, I'm sure he went, I know that he went a couple times, but a lot of those times he was leaving our home and pretending to be in therapy and never went. He just, he left a vacation one time to show everyone that we were with that he's going to therapy and completely was fraudulent. He shows up back at the place where we're staying and, and had this whole story that I now know is not true about, uh, about how his therapist canceled on him. But according to, you know, the records that I've seen that never had, I mean, that did not happen. He would routinely pretend to go to therapy and, and not go. And so he made great gestures. What I knew at the time was he's in therapy, you know, he's going to therapy at least. And I thought, well, I mean, he's doing what I've asked him to do. Right. But, and he um, always he always appeared remorseful. Yes, and that was a big that was a big thing. Whenever I was, you know, really in the in the mid, in the heart of my own therapy, trying to figure out how did I get here, um, I realized my own trauma wounds from my childhood. You know, uh, what I just deeply desired <clears throat> to see from relational trauma that had occurred in my own family of origin, what I wanted, um, the responses that I wanted of remorse and ownership, I got from him, I thought. He said the right things. He cried the right tears at the right time. Um, And it looked like repentance and I bought it as repentance and I didn't realize it was manipulation. It was a promise to change with no real intent to change. Right. And the Holy Spirit was the one that revealed that to me in his perfect timing. He, I remember one time he came to me and he was like, he gave me a memory of that time when I was 19. And I flashed back to that boundary I set before we were ever boyfriend and girlfriend. And he told me, he said, he never had any intent to do anything but deceive you. And when you laid that law down, that boundary down and said, I don't want to date you, because of this issue, in his mind, what he crafted was, well, you'll never know. He made a decision right then and there consciously. I will never let her see this other part of me, and I will never, I'm not going to try to change. I'm just going to make sure she never sees this part. And I got an opportunity later to say that to his face, say, you know, this is what got revealed to me. And he was so stunned by it because that's only that's information coming from the Holy Spirit. Nobody could go, hey, this is what he's really thinking and feeling. This is the the Holy Spirit revealed his heart to me. And whenever he did that and I told him it caught him so off guard, he just looked at me and he said, yep. 
He couldn't even, he didn't even have a rebuttal. He was so stunned. So there I have that confession from him directly saying, yep, I never intended to do anything but deceive you. I never had any intention of changing. I never had an, any intention of trying to be that better man that, that I pretended to try to be. It yeah. was just all trickery. I'm going to tell you what you want to hear, and then I'm going to go do whatever I want to whenever mm-hmm. you're not looking. And, um, and as I was realizing that that is what's inside of him and in his head and in his heart, I was broke. I, I mean, talk about purple blanket time from the last couple of episodes. Purple <clears throat> blanket was my BFF. The Lord was in all of that heartbreak and he knew it was coming and he saw it coming and he saw all the things he sees all the things that happen in the dark you cannot hide no one can Mm -hmm. hide blessed be the man who gets called out on earth woe to the man who gets called out when you meet the lord face to face yeah so this was, this was a time when I was seeing my reality in a whole new way, and it was traumatizing. And I remember having this crazy-making, you know, if you just Google narcissistic abuse, you, can, you will see all of the, these things, but the gaslighting, the... Um, what is gaslighting? So for? gaslighting is essentially when a person... Um, tries to convince you that what you know to be true and what reality actually is, is not true. So what you know and even can prove with evidence is truth. They will do everything they can to coerce you into believing that what you perceive as reality is not reality. Mm -hmm. And they attempt to make you distort that. And so you question your, they call it crazy making. Some people call it that crazy making because you feel like you're crazy. Like, oh, maybe I'm not seeing this. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm the crazy one. This feels, you feel nuts. And for the women that I've worked with, and it's men too, but um, primarily women who have been, who have come out of narcissistic abuse and into recovery, um, they say, Oftentimes, they they felt that they were the narcissist. <laughs> they were the crazy one. Like, am I, am I really the one that's nuts? And I'm like, oh no, we all ask ourselves that question, you know. But that's that's the there's they are dizzying conversationalists. And um, lucky for me, blessed was I that I had about ten years of therapeutic training in this specific type of dynamic because it prepared me so well for what I was seeing. And when he would look at me and say, oh, no, I just totally quit that addiction because I decided, you know, when our son was born, I just quit that addiction. I'm like, uh, that's not how it works, <laughs> you know? Um, and whenever I would say, you know, like, if that's true, like, you should be studied because you're the only man on the planet that that would ever happen to. And he's, and he was like, that's not fair. That's not fair that you're a therapist. I'm like, what, it's not fair that I know what's true? Like, what? You know, th- these conversations would just be maddening for me. And so I remember in the wake of one of the handful that we had, 
I just blew the whistle. I was like, I cannot anymore. And I just started pouring tears out to God. I was like, I'm tired of pouring tears out to this, this, <laughs> this man who doesn't care. <laughs> you know, I am talking to a brick wall, a stone wall. And so I shut down the conversation and I'm pouring out tears to God. And I'm like, what in the world? Like, what am I going to do with this mess? Like, get me out of this craziness. And at that exact moment, I get a text from you. And this is probably like 12, 1 in the morning. I mean, it was when most people are asleep. And I get a text from you. And it was the exact thing that you had felt when you told the story about where was Jesus in my pain and he showed you where he was in his pain. The text I got from you was the exact thing I needed to hear from God. And it said something like, the Lord knows every single tear you have cried. He carries it in your hand. Every one of those tears you're crying tonight is marked. And he is watching and he is waiting and he is for you and he sees you. And he sees what you are in and you are not crazy. And he, he loves you and he is going to rescue you. Fear not. Someone hears. He hears. Here's your validation. You're not crazy. I see you. And mm. I screenshotted that and I go I would go back to it over and over whenever, you know, cuz they continued for a while where I was you know, tormented mentally in this mind game and I had to just say no more. Well, and something I wanted to say about that was, you know, in that when you when I sent that text, I had been out completely asleep, and God woke me up from my sleep, yeah, and told me you need to do this, and I'm like, okay, with one eye open and probably with both eyes closed. At some point, I type out this text to you, and I sent it. I go back to bed, and when you said something about it. You know, the next day I was like, what? What text? You know, like I yeah. I didn't remember. Like the Holy Spirit woke me up because yeah, the same way that he showed up for me when I said, God, where were you? And he's like, I'm here. Yeah. It, he was there. And in the moment that I got that, I was like, oh, how does she know the words? And I gave you the credit in the moment. I was like, oh, my goodness, this is I, I, I thought, oh, my friend's up. How cool is that? But whenever I talked to you, it pierced my heart when I got it because it was just exactly what I needed at the right time that I needed it. But whenever you told me that you were asleep and you got jolted out of mm -hmm. that dead sleep and just blindly typed out something and sent it and you were like basically And went back to it. sleep. Like that was it. And had very little memory that it had even occurred until I mentioned it. I thought, oh my goodness, I can't give my friend any credit for being <laughs> a good friend. It was 1000% straight from God. Was... Like God woke my friend up out of a cold dead sleep to affirm my pouring tears at 1am over the craziest mind distorting <laughs> conversation that I've ever had. Ah, oh, it was 
Oh, I poured tears of a whole new kind after that. I was just and that's in the awe kind of his love. The beauty of that is that, you know, like every person that walks this earth has trauma of some kind. Mm-hmm. They have some kind of hurt. And I, I know people compare trauma like, oh, I didn't have that happen to me. So my life's not as bad as your life is right. or was, you know, and that's one of my because of the story that I have, that's one of the things that actually bothers me the most. I'm like, stop. Like your pain is not any less than mine because it happened differently, you know? And I just, I want people to recognize that the same God that was there for me and showed up in that crazy way for me and the same God that woke me up to send you a text when you were pouring your tears out to him, the same God who will help you or whoever's listening, you know, who will help ev- all of us mm. in our greatest time of need. He, he's the same. Mm-hmm. It's the same one. And if he's not just doing it for me because I'm special or for you because... Yeah. Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you're not sure how to turn it into reality? You need Ready, Set, Podcast. They make it super easy to create your own podcast. They can help record edit, and publish your idea. They have prices to fit any budget and options for both hobbyists and professional podcasters. So if you have an idea, reach out to them for a free consultation on their website or social media at www.readysetpodcast.xyz. Ready, Set, Podcast, turning your brilliant idea into reality. He loves all of us that much. Yes, and as you got a glimpse into your abuser's life, mm-hmm. I also got different glimpses into my ex-husband and abuser's life. And he reminded me in those final months, wow, I am steeping in pain. He reminded me and asked me to love him anyway Mm -hmm. he revealed his heart and his actions and then asked me to love him and actually he gave me a very specific message about the way in which I was to love him and that's where you come in he gave you a message to give to me yeah he did and I it was a very big wrestle for me because sometimes I get messages from him in dreams, sometimes in what I call a vision. I may be awake, um, just going about normal life, and I will just see something or hear something, and it's something that's obviously not there that everybody sees. And a lot of times, they'll say this is kind of funny because it makes me laugh anyway. Sometimes he gives me words on note cards mm-hmm. or on like a, like a flashing neon sign, which I know sounds ridiculous, but that's just how he gives me stuff sometimes. And um, he gave me this particular word he gave me was spelled C-H-E-S-E-D. And it can be spelled differently depending on um, if you're doing the American version of it, or it's a Hebrew word. So, and there's lots of different ways to spell it. And also, it's pretty much um, untranslatable in English. Whenever I was, whenever I looked it up, it said that it, it was defined 169 different ways in six different 
English translation, so I think it's pretty safe to say that we don't have a good grasp of exactly what this is or what it entails, but we were about to learn a lot more than I ever thought we were about the word, especially you, because you were asked to act it out. And when I saw this on a note card, I was like, chessed, what is that? <laughs> you know, like C-H-E-S-E-D, that's what I got. And I'm like, I have no idea what that is. Like, I, what is that? So, thank goodness for Google. You know, I Googled it and I'm like, oh crap. You know, like it's it's a Bible word. It's a Hebrew word. And now I'm like, I, I wrote it down and I'm like, I'm going to have to figure out what that's about. I knew God was trying to get my attention and I was going to have to see what it was about. Yeah. And so I did. I prayed about it and I asked God to to tell me what he was giving me that for. And he did. And then I asked him if he could not give it to me because I didn't didn't want to. He gave it to me to give to you. And I'm like, I don't want, I don't want to. So basically, guys, if you don't know what this word is, again, it's C-H-E-S-C-D. If you Google it, you can look it up that way. Um, it is a Hebrew word and it's actually pronounced chesed, like with a, kind of a German type growl on the front of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the purposes of the rest of this conversation, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to call it chesed. So... Um, it talks about the loving kindness of God and how we all know that, you know, the grace and the forgiveness and the love that God gives us, that we're supposed to give that to other people, right? Like we don't always act that out the best way we should, but that's kind of, that's part of the premise. That's a call. Yeah, it's a call. That's a commission. Right. commission is to go teach and preach the gospel, but you do it in love. And this is the kind of love. You know, he, he talks about his in the scripture talk about how how um unfailing his love is and how long suffering long suffering his love is and how merciful his love is this particular word in scripture um long suffering is used in place of it a lot not long suffering loving kindness loving kindness loving kindness and there's a couple other words i can't think of them at the top of my head but if you do not know what this word is or you've never heard of it i encourage you to study about it pray about it because wow it's something you know this this would you say it's 169 different it's defined 169 ways. different ways in six different just english translations mm-hmm. you know that tells you how complex this kind of love is yes so a few things about it just to kind of sum it up it stretches beyond normal boundaries Mm-hmm. It lasts forever. It's an eternal love. It's inclusive, so it covers everyone. There isn't anyone righteous or unrighteous that it doesn't cover. Sinner or saint, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. He loves you in this moment as much as he ever loved you or ever will. You know, when I think about that, I just I can't really fathom this kind of love. I, I mean, the depth of his love. I know the scripture talk about that, but I, I just. My mind can't wrap around that kind of love. we're conditional lovers. Sure. We love if. Mm-hmm. I love you if. You treat me well. If. Yes. You do the things that don't get on my nerves. Mm-hmm. If you do the things that don't cut me to the core. Mm-hmm. You know, but God, his character is bound to his loving kindness and his mercy and his steadfast love to his people because of the covenant relationship that he made. He cannot break that bond. 
And that means that... It is immovable. Yeah. It cannot be broken. That if it, if it were ever broken, then he wouldn't be God. He wouldn't yeah. be who he says he is. Mm-hmm. And he yeah. is not a liar. Numbers twenty three nineteen. God is not a man that he should lie. You know, God is eternally committed to us, even when we are repeatedly unfaithful to him. Yes. You know, and he gave me this and I'm like, oh, that is a big, that's a big assignment. God, what am I supposed to do with that? And he's like, oh, um, I need you to tell Bonnie that she needs to hesed her husband. And I'm like, come again, what? Yeah. You want me to do what? You want me to... I mean, I had an idea of some of the things, you know, we're friends. I had an idea of some of the things that had been happening in your life. And for me personally, any of my friends can attest to this about me as a person. I'm quick to stay out of somebody else's relationship. I don't have to go to sleep with that person at night. And I do my very best not to put my opinions on anyone else's relationship because the way I feel about that is it's between you and your husband or wife. And you two are the only one that have to share that house, share that bed, share that life. That's right. you can vent to me, but I'm not going to tell I'm not going to tell you what to do. That's not my place, you know, and that's just how I've always been. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, you want me to do what? You want me to tell her she needs to love this man like this, like this? Hesed, a kind of love that I can't even understand. I'm like, I'm gonna have to do a book report before I can even talk to her. <laughs> and then I was like, and by the way, I don't want to talk to her. She's a therapist. I think she knows how to how to talk to her husband. Like, <laughs> I I can't do this. And I, mm-hmm. he was like, you're gonna do it. And I'm like, I ain't gonna do it. And so we had several wrestles. And he's like. Christy, you're going to do it, and it's time to do it now. And I'm like, so I call you up, and I'm like, okay. But I'm like, how do I know this is really for her? And then he told me about the setting of the wheel. Mm. And he told me, you tell her it's the setting of the wheel to love regardless how he feels or responds to you. And I'm like, I'm supposed to tell her, I want you to set your wheel, or God, not me, because I didn't want any part of this. God wants you to set your will to love this man no matter how he feels or responds to you. And that was my language. That is literally, if he could not, he could not have picked it or crafted it better to convince you to tell me because that is how I operate. Since I was young, if I set my will to do something, it was as good as done. Once I have committed to something, I follow it through. That's how I operate. Once it's decided, the flip, the switch is flipped, and I do not come back from that. And when, <laughs> when you did your book report, <laughs> yeah. And, oh, and he gave me a song for you also. Yeah, that was yeah. I was like, why well, gotta give her monk music and the worst assignment in history? Monk music. Yeah, it reminds me of monk music. Oh, just. Well, it was also my language. Mm-hmm. He told you that I needed to set my will, which is how I make hard decisions. Whenever I need to commit to something that's hard, I, I got to set it. And once it's set, it goes. And he spoke my language on top of that, which is music. He speaks to me in music. 
powerful lyrics, powerful, you know, instruments. I mean, it, it strikes a chord in my soul. And when you gave me this, well, <laughs> my response was similar to you. Like, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Who, who wants to do I, this? I wish I could tell you. Like, I was like, okay, I will obey the Lord. But I, I was not like that. And I was like, I do not want to do this. And I think you even said, like, how, how do I do that? How like, do I even do that? I don't No part of me wants to do this. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. We're going to pray about it. Because yeah. uh, this is what I got. I don't mm-hmm. know. But when you gave me that song, it's it's a song called Hesed, spelled with an H, not a C-H. Mm-hmm. Um, H-E-S-E-D. By the artist Ghost Ship. Who I'd never heard of in my life. And you'd never, uh, you'd never heard of him? I've never heard of him. But when I listened to this song, oh, it helped the setting of the will because it, these lyrics were your book report to music. It was the 169 different ways to articulate this word put to a message Ugh, that put you to music hear. that I could hear, and I didn't want to do it. And I had you had your wrestle with telling me. I had my own wrestle that went on much longer than I'm sure the Lord wanted it to, where I resisted. And as He's revealing to me the ways in which I have been betrayed, He's asking me to commit, set your will to commit to Him and to love Him to strike first. Hesed love strikes first. It doesn't wait to be received or loved well. You know, when Jesus went to the cross, He wasn't saying, I'll I'll climb up here and do this, Mm -hmm. y'all, if you just will, you know, kind of agree that you're going to receive me. He went up there being abused. He went up there being rejected, despised, hated. His own friends turned their backs. And he went up there and did that act of love and sacrifice and took on and wore our sin when we did not care about him and didn't think and thought he was a big fraud liar. You know, like, no, he he was not guilty and did everything to show his love for us. And while we were yet sinners, he died for us. And this kind of love he's asking me to then turn over and give to to. To my husband at the time, who, in my opinion at the time, like, he is not deserving of this. I want to give him what he deserves. My sinful nature wants to give him exactly what he deserves. And he is telling me, you will not. Mm -hmm. You will only confront him at the times and in the ways that I tell you, confront him. And what you want to spout off to him, you don't. You do that when I command you and only when I command you. I was like, no. (laughs) denied Jesus. I don't want to do this. Yeah. And so I I proceeded. I was defiant and disobedient for weeks. I'm sad to tell you. Um, for weeks. And what got me over the hump, honestly, I was being disobedient. He prompted you to come to me again and say, no more wrestle time. It's now. <laughs> you set your will and you set it now. It's go time. You're running out of time, and it is time to set your will, and you act on it yeah. now. And I was like, "How do? I, but I still don't want to." And going back to Hesed, it is not. It does. It is not emotional. Yeah. It is a decision. Yep. That you make. You set your will. It is not contingent upon feeling. And I, and so I would listen to this song every morning and throughout the day. I would start my day 
listening to this song and get myself in the mindset of how I have been loved. That was the only way that I was able to do it was... um, And you weren't perfect because... Was not. We can't be. Was not. I wish I could tell you that I was able to achieve this kind of love, (laughs) you know, to show this kind of love. Um, I realized in that I'm I'm a sinner who can't because Mm -hmm. I, I... I couldn't do it as purely as I wanted to, but in it changed me in the process, though, because I came to an understanding of the truth that I, too, have done what to, to God what my husband was doing to me. And he was asking me to do what he did and does for me, turn it, turn it to my ex-husband and give it to him. And he said, I'm not asking you to do anything that you have not already mm-hmm. been given. You're just going to show up in flesh for him because he can't feel my love. And this is what you're going to do. And, I, you know, I wrestled with that. A, a big part of it was like, well, that, it won't work. Like, it's not going <laughs> to change anything. Why should I do this? And he was like, I, I, I don't know what your end game is, Bonnie, but I, I just want you to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, you need to not worry about the outcome and if it's going to change his heart and if it's going to do anything. I'm asking you to do it. And so whenever I finally set my will, it was not emotional. Normally when I set my will, my emotions jump on board and my emotions decide, okay, we're all in. 100% of me is all in. But with this, I couldn't get 100% of me all in. I made the choice and I set my will. But emotionally, I could, it was like <laughs> I was twisting and turning upside down inside. I remember specifically, um, we, our last vacation we took, we were in the pool at the resort and I was playing with the kids. And he reaches over to embrace me in the pool. And internally, I was just dying inside. And I, he would have never known because I embraced him. And as I embraced him in that resort pool, I was like, oh God, this man is, is betraying me. And he will embrace me as though everything is fine. And we don't look like anything is wrong to someone sunbathing over off in the shade is looking at this family and going, what a wonderful little family of four they are. And they have no idea that this embrace internally is crushing me. Yeah. Because this man can turn around and stab me right in the back without blinking. And has no problem hugging me. No problem looking at me and smiling and saying sweet things to me. And turning his back and doing the opposite. And I was aware in that moment. And it was kind of like when Judas went in the garden. When Jesus allowed Judas to kiss him. Yeah knowing what that kiss really meant. I knew what that hug really meant. It meant, don't you, re- don't you pay attention to any of those gut checks inside of you, Bonnie. Just, just pay attention to this embrace. And I had to hold on to the truth that I knew about the betrayal while receiving that love, while receiving that hug. And I have never been that close to understanding how God must feel as we spit on him, mm-hmm. betray him, reject him, deny him, um, turn away from him. And um, oh, I got it that it wasn't just about my husband. It was, right. it was God changing me. Mm-hmm. 
in the process. And I was to see him the way that God sees him. I definitely had, was holding plenty of space for my own emotions yeah. of betrayal. But he was saying, while you have that, you will also hold space for the way that I love this man. Mm-hmm. And you will pursue him, allow him. The godly pursuit. The godly pursuit. Um, you will, you will ha- he prompted me with conversations that we needed to have about what was going on in his heart about, you know, we had to have candid conversations, truth conversations, like call a spade a spade. This is what I'm seeing. You know, I had to call him out about things, which I'm sure for him at the time, it just looked like I was you know, just nailing him one after the other. But really, I mean, I was, I was confronting him at the prompting of the Holy Spirit. I, if, if, if it were up to me, I would have been confronting him and, and blowing up 100% of the time. And during that time, I cooked dinner for him. I served him. I um, laughed and played games with our family as though, you know, I would always would. I would cry to myself in my car on the way home from work, or I'd take late night drives to cry out to God. And I kept the torment of that, of those emotions kind of um, to to the Lord who could hear them. And when I could not hold it any longer, of course, it would come out. And like I said, I I wish I could do have done it more perfectly. Um, But I realized I'm not I had to keep repenting for whenever I didn't love him as well as maybe I should have, or he would reach for me. And I know there are times he would reach for me during this time, and I was probably less affirming and um, less responsive. Um, Well, it's hard whenever you're in human body and our sinful nature, and when you know someone has betrayed you and they reach to touch you, it's hard not to to pull away from that. Recoil. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was hard, but what I also learned in that um, he's uh, he's taught me a new layer of this. You know, he speaks in music, speaks you know our language where we can hear it. I also watched a movie not too long ago um, called it, well, it's actually a documentary called um, The Heart of Man, and it specifically spoke to the uh, just the the brokenness. It's it's like a modern day. Um, prodigal son it's like a docu movie if that's a word um because it's a documentary but it also comes with an amazing cinematography and this backstory um that you're that you're watching um it's it was so powerful about the love of god and the hesed love that he bestows upon us in our filth and in our muck and mm-hmm. in our when we are wallowing in sin and we are lost and broken and the worst version of ourselves he loves us just as much as the cleanest version yep and um i watched that film uh, a day before we were about to go into counseling with our um, co-parenting therapist our family therapist and he had continued to lie upon lie i mean just nothing's really changed (laughs) post-divorce the lies are different but um, a lot of lying just continued. The patterns continued. They just um, changed how they looked. And um, so I was going to go into session and confront him about the ongoing deceit. And I watched that film before, and God reminded me again um, that he's my kid, and I'm going to keep chasing him. 
and you're going to go in and call him out, but you need to do so. You need to regulate that anger, miss, because he's not going to hear you if you just come guns a blazing. He's just going to tune you out. And so I I walked it back. (laughs) It probably became a little more constructive. And I was able to tell him uh, something along this line, you know, is that I'm calling you out and I know that you probably see me as just this person who's so self-righteous and better than you or whatever. I'm not coming with self-righteous anger at you. I want you to be different. I want you to be different for our children. I don't like that you're that you're in misery internally. I want you to be different. I want you to be set free yeah. from the pain and the torture. You don't have to live like this. And God loves you in the muck. And I was able to tell him that even after all this time has passed, I looked at him and I said, "He he does love you." And I love I love you as well. Believe it or not, it just may not look that way because I'm going to call you out. Yeah. When you deceive me, I will call you out. But at the same time, God will pursue relentlessly. Yeah. And at the same time, our time will run out. Time will run out for all of us. Eventually. Eventually. And so I can't impress upon you as uh, if you're listening to this, his love is great. And he wants you to turn and receive it. And I, you don't know if how many chances you're going to get. Yeah. For some people, they get one. Right. Some people get millions. Mm-hmm. And you never know. You don't know which one you are. When God comes and the Holy Spirit's knocking, you know, when he is trying to get your attention, you can't deny that that's what that is. And some people only get that one opportunity, that mm-hmm. one call to him. Mm-hmm. You know, the scriptures say that everyone will have the opportunity. But like you just said, some people get one. One. I can't imagine. I'm so thankful that I'm not a one. Same. Because I'd have never made it. Mm-hmm. You know? And something that is so important is that we remember that even though this situation that we're talking about is the way that God introduced this word to us. I don't know if you'd ever heard the word before. No. I hadn't either. I had not. So the way that he introduced this to us. And what he asked you to do with it, you know, obviously I, I wasn't in that relationship. I wasn't walking that out like you were, but he showed me these things as well. And I'm like, it, it was convicting to me, you know, and I had to repent because I don't love anybody like that. Right. You know, and I think that is part of this mission, even with us, you know, it was you and your marriage and, and that, and just me in general, but. It's important that all of us try to do this. This is literally the epitome of the turn the other cheek. Yes. You know, it's, this is the in-depth version. And no, we will never do it perfectly. But he is telling us, this is who I am. This is my character. And the scriptures say that we are to strive to be like him. This is what he wants for us. True. We are to love each other With this kind of love, an undeserving love, a loyal love, a merciful love, a long-suffering love, a love that is not contingent upon your emotions Mm -hmm. or the response that you get. We are conditioned to, to do certain things, to love in certain ways with an expectation that it's going to get us a certain response. Mm -hmm. And Hesed love is saying, 
I am choosing to love you. I'm making the choice to love you when I emotionally don't feel like it. Yeah. I am overriding my emotion to obey a command and to be God-like. We cannot be God, but he is asking us to be like him. Yeah. To reach the hearts of people who are broken and to exist among other believers in a loving way. And we have really lost sight of that. Yeah. Our society as a whole really um, struggles to show each other even just regular kindness, much less the kind of kindness that surpasses our understanding. Absolutely. You know, I, I went on to listen to a lot of other songs to get, you know, it's like when you are working out, you know, you want that music to motivate you, you know, like you need a theme song or a, a soundtrack to certain things. I needed a soundtrack to get my emotions on board, even yeah. though I had to set my will, you know, regardless of emotion, how I operate, I need my emotions to kind of be jazzed up about it, to get in the game. And there was another song um, by Lauren Daigle called Loyal that I listened to and wore out. And there's a line that says, when my world shakes, your love remains unshaken. So constant, so perfect, unwavering. Yeah. And I was like, man, okay, I think I can do this. <laughs> His love remains unshaken. Whew. Don't know any other love human to human like that love. No. And we will not because his love is unlike anything else that we could ever, we can ever acknowledge. I mean, there's nothing like it. And we invite you, if you, if you don't know anything about Hesed or have never studied this, we invite you to do that with an open mind and just ask God to show you where you can apply this in your life. Yeah. And he will. Yeah, he will. 